Hi, my name is Danny Woodward. I'll be your host today, and I'd like to welcome you to our very first episode of Assured by Grace. Now, you may be wondering to yourself, what does that mean, Assured by Grace? Well, mm. if you are, don't worry, we'll get to that. But first, I'd like to introduce you to my partner and co-host, Senior Pastor Phil Congdon. Now, Pastor Phil Congdon has been a, a uh, graduate of Dallas Seminary, He's been a pastor and teacher for nearly 40 years. He's pastored two successful church plants and taught Bible college in Australia for five years. He's written a commentary on 1 Corinthians entitled Church in the World and contributed a chapter to a new book coming out in May from Grace Theology Press entitled Living by Grace. Beyond this, he's written numerous journal articles and magazine articles and helped found the Free Grace Alliance. He's been married to his wife, Jen, for 35 years, and they have eight children. Welcome to the show, Phil. Man, it's great to be here, and it, I'm so excited about this new podcast called Assured by Grace. It is so critical. Uh, it's so important. So many people uh, are going to be helped by what we have to share. Phil, what I was thinking is maybe you could give us a little more background, uh, both on on your on how you came to be a believer and why this topic assured by grace is so important to you? Well, I was, Danny, I, I was raised in a Christian family, uh, and I was really blessed to have parents who loved the Lord, and uh, so that all my growing up years, uh, I, I was surrounded by uh, Christian truth. Uh, I was five years old when I trusted Jesus as my Savior, and the way that that happened really was my mother actually led me to the Lord. I just, uh, at that point in time when I was five, all I really knew is that I, I wanted to go to heaven and I didn't want to go to hell. And my mother explained to me that Jesus died for my sins and um, had risen from the dead, and he offered the gift of eternal life to those who believed in him. And Right there next to her bed, I prayed and trusted Christ as my Savior, and we had family devotions every night, and then she paraded me out in front of all my brothers and sisters and said, uh, now, Phil, tell us what you did. And uh, I think I, I remember crying for some crazy reason and just saying, well, I just believed in Jesus. And I just want you to know that since that time, I have never sinned. And, um, <laughs> and if you actually believe that, then you don't know me. But I, it's interesting that, you know, sometimes we, we don't realize just what happens once a person is saved. And, and so I, as I was growing up, I was struggling with areas of doubts and questions, and it really reached a crescendo for me when I was in my senior year in high school. And we were in our youth group. I think we were studying through First John, and and uh, and many people have experienced doubts because of the way that First John is taught, and and I think I did too. And I still remember uh, that the night that I was laying on my bed, and I was just living in fear that if I died, I would go to hell. And that night, I I just. Uh, with tears in my eyes, I said, Lord, if I didn't ever say it before, I want to say it now. If I didn't say it right, if I, if I didn't pray the right words, whatever, Lord, I just want you to know that 
I realize I'm a sinner. I really did. And I, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. And, and I think that to a large degree, that started a transition for me. But then it was further, it was later in my training where I, I started to understand the destructiveness of doubting constantly whether or not you are saved. And so that kind of brings us up to where we are now. There's a lot more I could say, but I'm sure there uh, is. We don't need to hear it all. Well, thanks for that. You know, it, it, it's amazing that, that at that age you were, you were able to, uh, to kind of look through that, through the lens of, of God's grace and, and to put things in perspective in a way that, that allowed you to, uh, to kind of climb back into, to, to wanting to grow and, and wanting to learn more. Well, yeah, I think a lot of a lot of people uh, that are going to be watching this podcast are going to have similar feelings. They're going to yeah. have doubts, and I don't know what what was your experience like. What uh, mm. you know, give me a, a thumbnail or give us our listeners a thumbnail of your testimony. Well, you know, it, very similar. Starting off, uh, I uh, I was about five years old, had a, a an experience at at uh, a little Southern Baptist church down in South Texas. Where the pastor was was really preaching a, a brimstone and fire message, but he, what what I remember about that message, and obviously I had parents who were believers that had taught me some beforehand about who God was and who Christ was, but it really didn't come together for me until that pastor got up there, and he was preaching a message on sin, and he was he was getting into the fact that you know sin is what brings death and it, and it, and it, there's consequences to it. Mm. And, and it convicted me because I realized even as a little boy that, man, I, I lied and, and I wasn't always doing things that my mom and dad told me to do for whatever reason there was. And granted, I, I wasn't thinking, you know, along those lines, but it scared me. I thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm not good enough Mm. to, to go to heaven. So that, triggered uh, the next portion of that sermon, which was, but Christ came to die for your sins so that you could have eternal life. And now did you, you go do- forward? I did. And now, that's that's kind of a thing. If you're not used to Southern Baptist yeah, churches, right, okay. you, you've got to go forward. If you don't go forward, you're not saved, right? <laughs> no, no. Yeah. But I, I did. I, it, it was a, a clear moment in my mind where I, I, I trusted in Christ and, and said, Lord, I... I don't want to, I don't want to risk this, and and I, I believe in you, and so that, you know, again, I, I certainly can't claim as Phil did that from that point on I was sinless. Because... I, no, I, I, I'm not claiming that either. <laughs> but uh, I, I, my story differs a little bit from Phil's in that uh, when I got into junior high and high school, I, I lost some some folks in my life who were very important to me. Uh, father and a, a grandfather, great grandfather and and actually a youth minister who was who we were very close with. And not that those things made me question my faith, but it it just made me kind of give up on a struggle. If I don't really know how else to say it. And as I went into college, I was still wanting to grow, I think in a lot of ways uh, as a lot of youth are kind of teetering youth that have grown up in the church and that are believers, teetering between wanting to kind of follow my friends and, uh, 
and and but also wanting to to grow closer to God. Oh. There, there. Listen, there are tens of thousands of college students today, Christians. Mm-hmm. Maybe they've grown up even in a Christian home, been at, at church, but but are are probably going through exactly mm-hmm. what you went through. Well, and and I tell you, when I when I went to college, that the mistake that I made, and then I know this now, was I didn't get plugged in to a, a body of believers. You know, I, I had some wonderful friends. I went to a Christian school. Baylor was a Christian university. Uh, but I didn't get plugged in. And, and gradually, over time, I, I could kind of see just my, my life started to erode. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't seeking after God. And, and it, I, never feel, I never felt like I, I wasn't a believer, that I had somehow lost my salvation. I felt like I wasn't useful to Christ, that I couldn't live up to some standard that he had. And so why try? Why not just enjoy life, have fun? I think if I could sum it up, my motto from back then was probably something like work hard, play hard. And I did for many years. And uh, eventually, though, got out of college and, and out of grad school and eventually met my wife, Kelsey. And we started on a on our life together and got married. And, and, um, so shortly after we got married, we, we decided that we wanted to try to find a church to raise our kids at. Mm. And we started looking for churches. And one of the first churches that we came to that we thought, well, this might work, uh, was a church that was a reformed church. Uh, and there was a wonderful young pastor there that took us both into his room and led my wife to the Lord. And, Gave a gospel That's message very clear. Kelsey understood it. Uh, she realized that she, you know, had kind of put other things with Christ. She had been raised in a in a Christian type setting, but she she realized just that Christ was sufficient alone. And what we didn't realize after that in that church was that there was this this questioning that came up that kind of bubbled up, you know. Uh, weeks later, as to well, are you are you doing good? Are you continuing in persevering in your Christian walk? Uh, because if you're not, well, you might not really have been a believer. And you know, Phil, I realized that if I had bought into that stuff mm-hmm. a few years back, I'd have been in big trouble. You would have been where I was when I was my senior year of high school. Uh, and I think that's where a lot of people are uh, today. Millions, yeah. millions of Christians find themselves mired in this. Um, and and that, that's really what this podcast is going to be all about. Yeah. Can you kind of take us through the, the two main points that we're going to try yeah, to get well, across today? Yeah, there are two things that we're really going to be focusing on. And... Um, uh, the first one is the gospel. Um, mm. uh, that what what is the gospel message? It's laid out in in scripture very clearly in First Corinthians fifteen. So we know that Paul says, "Here is the gospel, the good news that I preached to you: that Christ died for our sins and was buried, and He rose and He was seen." And that's the good news. That's a great message. Um, but that message has been sliced and diced by theologians and pastors in in this day and we need to we need to try to distill that back down to where a 5-year-old 
can understand it mm. and, uh, and know what that is. So the gospel of grace, that is that uh, a person who believes in Jesus has eternal life. Or if we could just put it this way, like the Apostle Paul with the Philippian jailer, uh, this is the gospel. When he said, what must I do to be saved? Uh, say, Paul didn't give him any provisos or, or fine print or footnotes. He just said, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. That is a great gospel message. Now, that's part of this, and we're going to be talking about that because that, that touches on a lot of issues. Uh, you know, it, if you are saved, are you saved for eternity mm. or saved until something bad happens? Uh, and this, this goes back, by the way, Danny, to, to the difference between uh, you and me and our experiences. And, uh, and let, me, let me put it this way. Some people front load the gospel. And so when they're, they're sharing the gospel, they're going to say, well, if you do these things, uh, you, you know, you need to believe in Jesus, but you need to repent, turn from sin, get baptized, go to church, put money in the plate, behave yourself. Now, do you want to believe? And, and they, they kind of give you a, a package deal. Yeah. There are other people who, in, and in your case, this is what this probably would be more like yours. And that is, they'll say, no, you just believe in the Lord Jesus and, and you're saved. And then the next week you're saying, boy, I'm saved. And they say, well, I, I'm not really sure. I noticed that you went to a party and you were doing some, you know, some rough living last night uh, on Saturday night. Maybe you didn't really get saved. Maybe you just thought you believed. And it, this kind of a thing, it sounds like they're doing something intelligent. All they're doing is doing Satan's work for them. They're just raising it out. And that leads to the second part of this. And this is really the practical part of this. And that is uh, the issue of can you know that you are saved for eternity? How can a person have assurance of salvation? And, and we, are, we are going to be fleshing this out from the New Testament and from experience and talking about what teachers, uh, preachers, and, and authors are saying. But you can know you have eternal life because it is assured not by what you do, but because of what Jesus did for you. And that's why in 1 John five thirteen it says, uh, these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know. Isn't that interesting? In order that you may know that you have eternal life. So that's where we're going to be going. So, Phil, what what about assurance? You know, we, we talk about that it's it's important to have a clarity of the gospel, and it's important to know yeah. That that we have that that eternal salvation. Why is that so important? What is the yeah. what is that lack of having that assurance due to a believer? Yeah. Well, it, listen. What it does is it makes us it, it makes us weak. If you don't know whether or not you are a child of your mm -hmm. parents, that's going to affect your behavior. If you don't know whether or not your parents love you that's going to affect your behavior. And, he, and so we have many Christians who have trusted in Christ 
And then they have this doubt, well, did I really get born? Now, in the physical realm, we would say this is a nutty thing. Uh, I mean, uh, you would never say, well, I, I don't know if I've been born. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, we wouldn't say that. But in the spiritual realm, this is something that Satan loves to do. He's called the accuser of the brethren in Revelation 12. And that's what he is. He's always going to be accusing us. And and just like you, uh, you know, living your life and, you know, Kelsey trusting Christ. And then, well, we're, we're not sure. We haven't, we want to see the fruit to make sure that you're saved. And for me, wondering whether I had really done it right or whether God was listening when I prayed and silly things like that. And yet, Every one of these things, Satan is pushing that, mm. uh, and this this is an epidemic in, in the church. And it and and it's in the church. I mean, these are uh, brothers and sisters in Christ oh, that yeah. we're talking about that are that have got this kind of backwards, and and it and so we're not coming at this from a perspective that you know they're they're somehow yeah <laughs> not believers. We're coming at it from a perspective perspective that there's there's a bible interpretation that they need to come at with yeah. with a, a little more well this is it, maybe this would be helpful uh yeah because there might be a lot of people that are listening to us right now and they're saying okay you know i i i feel this i feel some of what you're saying i i know that i'm not living maybe the kind of life i want to and i i feel convicted about that but it goes deeper than that, and then they start to say, well, maybe I'm not saved. Mm. Maybe, and some might even have gotten exposed to this idea, well, maybe I'm just not elect, and there's just no way that, that I can do this uh, because God has to do it, and if he doesn't do it, then I, I can't. Well, this causes a real breakdown in a Christian's life. Let me just read you a couple of things, if I can. Yeah. This comes from uh, Gary Burge, who uh, at the time was a faculty member at Wheaton College, and he wrote this. I am frankly astonished at the number of times I have explained to classes of Christian college students about the unmerited love God has for us, and how in the course of my explanation, students from strong evangelical churches literally will cry. Wow. They point to the insecurity they have learned at their home churches. If I don't feel like God's child, maybe I'm not. If I can't always act like God's child, perhaps I never was. My office has witnessed such statements from the children of our evangelical households every semester for years. Think about this. Here we have children raised in a Christian home, hearing about Jesus Christ, believing in Jesus Christ, getting baptized, going through the youth group, growing in their faith, and then there's a message that... that and, and it's it's deeper because they're even they're being convicted by sin, which under normal circumstances is a good thing. Yeah. We should be convicted by our sin, right? And, and it is. It's wonderful in the Christian life as we're growing for the Spirit's work mm -hmm. to uh, uh, be guarding and guiding us. Uh, and that would mean he would even grieve 
when we yeah. sin. But when it steps over the line and it becomes, well, maybe you're not saved, that's when it steps beyond what Scripture teaches. Let me uh, throw in a couple more. This is Joel Beakey. Uh, he writes uh, in his book, The Quest for Full Assurance. He writes, we are convinced that the doctrine of assurance is relevant precisely because we live in a day of minimal assurance. Think about that, minimal assurance. Mm. That is, people really, they're not sure. Minimal assurance is, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's he, not, it's 100% yeah. or not, right? There's and not he, a scale yeah, there. He goes on, he says, sadly, the church for the most part is scarcely aware that it is crippled by a comparative absence of strong, full assurance. It is crippled. Think about this. Uh, in Scripture, we are told to run with endurance the race that is set before us. All Satan needs to do is to tell a Christian, well, maybe you're not Christian. Maybe you're not saved. Yeah. Uh, and, and let me give you one more. This is just a, uh, something that would really be interesting. Uh, many Christians today are, are very familiar with John Piper. Uh, he's written many books. He's a very popular pastor and author. And, uh, and he said this in a sermon um, uh, a few years ago. He said it was a sermon about assurance, how you can know that you're a child of God. And he said, my goal is to help you who are born of God, know that you are children of God. Know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. Feel it in your bones and thus walk in confidence and boldness. I am a child of God. To be able to say that to yourself, to God and to others with confidence and not say when somebody says, are you a Christian? I hope so. <laughs> now, now, you know, we would both say, that's, that's fabulous. But then I want to read you one other thing. This is uh, John Piper. Uh, he was speaking at a, a conference, and he said this. I deal with this. He was talking about doubting your faith. I deal with this as much as anything, probably, in the people that I am preaching to. Mm. Fears and doubts. Doubts not about objective, did he rise from the dead? Very few people are wrestling with that, but... Am I in? Am I saved? That's very common for people to wrestle with. And, and you know, it's an, an indictment of the church today that here we'd have a, a pastor saying, I want you to be sure. And yet because of the teaching in the church, we have an epidemic of people who are saying, am I in? I don't know. I wish I knew. Can you maybe start to go into some of this teaching and, and, and pull it apart for us so we understand it better? Well, I, I don't know how far we want to go uh, this morning. <laughs> uh, let me just, uh, I'm going to give, I'll give some, some statements here and, and then we can flush them out maybe in the next uh, couple of episodes. That'd be but, great. Uh, we have really lost our way in the church. Um, what we have today, if you go back 500 years to the Reformation, um, the greatest leaders in the Reformation, like Martin Luther and John Calvin, uh, they linked faith and assurance. Assurance was of the essence of saving faith. When you believed in Jesus, you were saved. You could be sure. You could know, yes, yes I am 
going to heaven. Uh, you believed in Jesus as your sin bearer, you were saved, period. But in the centuries that followed the, the great Reformation, uh, theologians began driving a wedge between initial faith in Jesus as your Savior, which might uh, not give assurance of salvation, or, uh, you know, it, it, it might result in a mature faith, it might not, um, but you had to grow, and then after a while, you would have full assurance. Um, in other words, what they began doing was delaying assurance. So you could believe, and uh, yeah, you were in the race, but we need to see how you're going to run. And if you run really well, mm -hmm. then maybe in the end you will get into heaven. Uh, the Westminster Confession really codified this by, by saying that assurance was not something that you had by believing in Jesus, but instead uh, it, it said that a true believer may wait long and conflict with many difficulties before being a partaker of it, that is, of assurance. And as the years passed, assurance of salvation uh, grew more and more really out of fashion. Uh, some who are listening to us will be Armenian Christians. You've believed in Jesus, you've trusted him as your savior, but uh, in, that, uh, in that theological persuasion, uh, they're taught they can be assured of their salvation right now, but they can't be sure that they won't maybe sin tomorrow mm. and lose yeah. their salvation. So they really don't have assurance. Uh, on the other hand, you have Calvinist Christians who are taught that they can never lose their salvation. Uh, after all, eternal life is eternal. But they end up at the same place because mm. they say you can't be sure because uh, unless you persevere in the faith, maybe you didn't really believe in the first place. So, Phil, I, you know, one of the things that, that you hear a lot of people say is, well, you're either Arminian or you're Calvinist. Yeah. There's a lot of folks that don't give any room for a, a, a third perspective, a third yeah. interpretation of Scripture. You talk about yeah, that. Yeah, well, you you would know that uh, really well. I, I mean, it's almost like, uh, you know, some people would say, well, in America, you're either a Republican or a Democrat. Mm. And, and somebody said, well, I'm not sure I like what this side does, and I don't like what this side does. And, and so we're, we're kind of looking for something that really fits what w we desire. In the same way... Uh, we have forced a lot of people into a false dichotomy. That is, you're either Arminian or you're Calvinist. And that's silly. Uh, there are things that Calvinists fight among themselves and differ about, and sure. Arminians fight and differ about. So all Calvinists, they don't even think each other is Calvinist enough. <laughs> so let me uh, just... Uh, kind of land this, uh, Michael Eaton in his book, No Condemnation, he sums up the two views really well. He says, Arminians must not assume the continuance of their faith, and Calvinists must not assume the reality of theirs. So you see, uh, we're both locked into, uh, I can't know. Mm -hmm. I might not continue in the faith, and I, in that case, I'd lose it. Uh, 
or I might not have really believed in Jesus. But both of them come down to works. And you know what that is? That's just introspection. That's like, uh, you know, you, navel gazing, you, navel gazing. You, you'd say, uh, well, I, I think I, I feel like I'm saved today. Uh, and then, well, I don't feel like I'm saved today. And, and you're going back and forth. This is, this is the tragedy Cripples that you. we're facing today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to, let me just add one more thing here and then I'll, I'll throw it back to you. But I, I think that many Theologians and pastors today are doing the devil's work for him. A few minutes ago, I said, remember, Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Uh, and what that is talking about, I, I like H.A. Ironside, the great old preacher who, who put it this way. He said, these evil hosts are continually endeavoring by deception to keep Christians from enjoying their present portion in Christ. Isn't this amazing? Now, I can, uh, I can understand Satan would want that. He doesn't want us to have that joy. But the, the crazy thing is, is that we would have pastors and theologians doing this. Yeah. And, and why is Satan doing this? He wants to, if Satan has any goals, well, number one, he wants to confuse the gospel make people think they have to do some good works of some kind to get to heaven. I love the way Chuck Swindoll put it. He said, mankind, mankind is incurably addicted to doing something for his salvation. And Satan just fans that into a flame so that everybody's trying to, to be good enough to be saved. Millions today don't know uh, the Lord. They don't know Jesus as their savior because they are locked into doing something for their salvation. Um, and in 2 Corinthians 4, you remember where uh, Paul talks in 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4, he talks about how Satan actually deceives people. He says that, and even if our gospel is veiled, now think about this, a gospel that is veiled so somebody can't really see it. It is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see what? They might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who's the image of God. Just think of this. All they have to do is get people looking at their own works, and they won't look to Jesus. They won't see him. What is Satan trying to do with the saved? Well, it's really fascinating. It's really just confusion again. He wants to confuse them about assurance. He wants to steal it from them. Jesus said he came to steal, kill, and destroy. And he is true to form. He's going to do that. So millions of Christians are languishing in doubt, wondering if they will get to heaven when they die. Hmm. It's a sad situation. It's very sad. And, and you know, the, the hope that we want to impart in, in this podcast is, is that you can... You can live a victorious life in, in faith. That you 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 you're not going to be perfect. None of us are, but it doesn't mean that you have to be stifled. Yeah. That you have to just stay, you know, in the position where you're you're looking into your own introspective yeah. problems and and not looking to Christ. And that's where our encouragement yeah. should come from from a from a, a vision of Christ. And yeah. so. 
I, I think really somebody right now may be watching this, and um, this is as good a time as any just to lay this out. The gospel is really good news. That's what the Greek word euangelia, that's what it means. Uh, uh, or evangelism, euangelizo. It's good news. We've got good news. Uh, and now there is bad news, and that is that I'm a sinner. Danny's a sinner, aren't you? Uh, I, yeah, Danny's a sinner. Um, we're all sinners. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's scripture, and that's a basic point. So we're falling short of God and his glory, and the gospel, the good news is, is that because God loved us, he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross, yes. to pay the price for our sin. And then Jesus rose from the dead, and now the gospel message of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is pronounced. And if any person, there is no limitation, no restriction, it is for the whole world. John 3.16, probably the best verse to learn. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, there's no restriction there, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but has eternal life. Jesus uh, himself said, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. That's what this podcast really is starting with, and, and it's going to expand on that. But right now, if you're listening to this and, and you're thinking, you know, I've, I've been going to a church for years, and I've never really heard that. I've, I've always just thought that church was what I needed to be involved in, that somehow church would be what God is going to look at, and someday he's going to tell Gabriel, pull out the sheet, Gabriel, and let's see. Has he been going to church? Okay, he's in. Never do you find that, because it isn't by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy. And his mercy says, I'm going to give you something you don't deserve, and I'm not going to give you what you do deserve. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved. That's grace. Yep. And, and you know, it's a 100% assurance. There's no, there's no in-between. You guys don't have to have a 90% a assurance to, to kind of feel good but be humble. You can be 100% assured yeah. based on the promises that, that God has given us in his word. Thank you, yeah. Phil. Yeah, that's, that's great. Uh, I, I don't know if, if, you know, are we at the end of our time for this first podcast? I uh, think we're pretty close, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, it's great. I'm, I'm enjoying this, and I look forward to the next time where we're going to be able to pick up on this. Sounds good. See you then.